0: there is a kind of avoidant person who will willingly waste your time and becomes a very dangerous person in your life not just for time but for your heart too so i want to talk about what it is that was going on with this person and see if you can relate if you know that you keep going for the kinds of people that ultimately break your heart this
1: again Girls only choose men that can break their heart, because those kind of men are the kind of men that have options. Also, when these girls say, I always go for avoidant men, they're purposely choosing those men. They're not like, I only attract avoidant men. No, you purposely choose avoidant men. You choose men that don't want relationships, because you know they have other girls, they're pre-selected, they're more attractive, that's why you choose
0: them. This is a woman who had talked about having done this many times. I have a pattern of going for people who are avoidant and who eventually hurt me. When she told me her story, she said that a typical line she gets from guys is, you're too good for me. And I I suppose we should start by saying that anyone who says, you're too good for me, that's like guy language for, I feel guilty because I know I'm stringing you along. And I know it's going to hurt you. And I know that our goals are different. And I'm being willfully ignorant of that. And I'm going to continue to try to see you and use you for my own ends, even though I know this is going to hurt you. I feel...
1: No, I mean, I'm sure that's part of it. But like when the guy says you're too good for me, it's just manipulation, right? It's like, um, basically what he's saying is, you as the girl, you are being too, you're giving yourself away, like like a girlfriend or like a wife, to a guy that doesn't deserve it. And he's even telling you that, right? Despite the fact that he's not interested in that kind of relationship. No, it's true.
0: Guilty about that. So I'm going to say you're too good for me because it somehow makes me look like the wounded soldier in all of this. And that's a sympathetic role to play rather than the perpetrator of your pain you're too good for me well
1: actually the perpetrator of the pain is not the guy it's the girl because she chooses to be in that situation she likes the up and downs she likes being with the guy who she's not sure if he's going to be here today and be gone tomorrow she wants that guy that's the only guy that women want right the only guy that women want is the guy that could cheat or does cheat the guy that other men want to be And the the guy that other women want to be with, right? That's called pre-selection. Women are hypergamous. They want a superior man. So uh, they want a top 20% man. And uh, if they don't get one, then they disdain that
0: guy. So That's that rationalization, isn't it? I can't be deeply connected to you. I can't really commit to you because you're too good for me. Often what you'll find, by the way, with avoidance is that the rationalizations they use for why they can't be too close or why they can't commit will make them seem in some way either heroic or sympathetic. In other words, whatever they say will often make them somehow come off smelling of roses and you more confused than ever. And this-
1: Again, it's just chad saying whatever chad needs to say to get laid that's all it is hello and welcome to helios blog my name is helios here for another reaction video if you're new to the channel like in the content hit that sub hit all for notifications if you'd like to support me i have a patreon newly revamped posting weekly content patreon.com slash the helios blog just go there and subscribe <coughs> you could also drop me a donation like
0: tom i'm here shout us to him uh link is in the description let's continue this particular woman's oh, no. case she was currently engaged in a situation with a guy where he said to her in a conversation when she tried to bring up what it was or what they were heading towards he actually said I really enjoy the relationship that we're having together but I don't want to talk about the relationship we're having together I don't
1: Yeah um it's very simple um when a guy says that or he says, I'd like the situation to continue as it is, what they're saying is, I'm not interested in a relationship with you. I just want you as a friend with benefits, right? Um, And also guys, some advice for you is, you never bring up the relationship discussion, never. She has to bring it up. You never bring it up. Because again, if she brings it up, it means she's invested and wants to be in a relationship with you. And at that point, you can choose if you want to be in a relationship or not. Right um, because women don't find it attractive, they don't find it attractive when a man um, asks them to be in a relationship. It's like um the same way that a, a a girl giving away a bedroom fund too easily is unattractive, a man giving away a relationship or or provisioning too easily is unattractive, right? So that's that's this. He's just saying, I'm chad, I only want a friend's with benefits. Uh, I'm not interested in anything else. That's a classic, a classic conversation, um, a classic line, actually.
0: Don't enjoy having conversations about it. And that, again, is like a hallmark avoidant thing to say, because what you're really saying is, I'm enjoying what this is giving me. I'm enjoying existing in the moment with this thing. I'm enjoying using it to meet my needs. But anytime you talk about what this actually is anytime it comes with any form of commitment or a vision for where this might be going which is a perfectly reasonable thing to want from somebody i am freaked out i am scared i don't want to have that conversation now that's fine if someone again um
1: it's not necessarily because the guy is scared right it's almost certainly just a line that he's learned somewhere that he knows works to continue the friends with benefits. That's why he's using it. It doesn't have to be like, I'm scared of commitment, so I'm having this conversation. I'm an avoidant personality. No, it's, he's avoiding the conversation because he literally doesn't want the situation to change because the girl's not good enough for a relationship for some reason, or the guy's not in a place to be in a relationship at the moment, and he's telling the girl in no uncertain terms that he doesn't want the dynamic to change. And if the girl's not okay with that, she can go find another guy. It's not a big deal.
0: Someone doesn't want to do that. But what we have to ask ourselves is if I am someone who wants to meet someone who is a teammate with me, who has a vision with me, it feels like we're on a mission together. It feels like we're excited to build together. And those conversations are exciting to me. But to this person, they're nothing but negative. Why is it? I am still hanging around after a long time. It may be one thing.
1: That's right. And I can answer this question. Because that guy is the best guy she can get. That's why she stays around. Because she hangs on to the hope that maybe, maybe, just maybe, she could keep the guy. Right? She hangs on to the hope that um, he might change his mind. Because she doesn't want to go looking for another alpha. She wants this alpha, you know, the expression is a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? So she literally doesn't want to spend the time to find another guy, but it's very clear the guy is not interested in her. So again, the the other expression I would use is she's punching above a weight class, that's also possible. So the guy is three to four points more attractive to her in uh, SMV, right? So rather than being one or two, which could create a stable relationship, right? If the guy's more attractive than her by one or two points. He's more attractive than her by three or four. And he obviously doesn't want to be seen with her in public. He doesn't want to do any of the boyfriend things or whatever, because the benefit to him is like zero. And the cost to him is high, right? But bedroom fun is nice. So he'll take it for now. That's the idea.
0: If in the very beginning, someone is saying that because they're saying, hey, I certainly want to see where this is going but i also want to make sure we go at an organic pace and i'm still getting to know you that's fair enough that if you've been seeing someone for many months and they're still phobic of any conversation about what the two of you are or where you're headed that is a sign of an avoidant and we have to ask ourselves why
1: why no no what we have to ask ourselves is Why does the relationship have to progress at the pace that the girl wants? That's the question we have to ask because that's what Matthew is saying effectively. If the relationship is not progressing at your pace, there's something wrong. No, the the, the relationship can progress at the man's pace. And in fact, it should because the man is the leader. But what women need to do when they're choosing a man is choose a man that's on their level, or well, they never choose a man who's on their level, but you get what I'm saying. Like like above their level by one or two points, right? As opposed to three or four. Right now, all these girls want the uh, quote-unquote Instagram model guy. Well, there's 10,000 of those in America, and all of those 10,000 guys have like 20 girls. So you're not special. That's why he doesn't want to commit to you, right? But let's say you are like... A a model, or you're an Instagram model yourself, and you go after one of the most successful Instagram models, right, that would be, then the guy would be one or two points higher than you. You see what I'm saying? Like, you can't have an average girl go after, like, a top guy, right? Like, if you're an average girl, like, let's say five uh, five points on the attractiveness scale, go for an above average man, but not chaddy chad. And you'll prevent all the problems, right? Because that's the issue, right? If the guy is so superior to you, then he's never going to commit to you. He's just going to use you for bedroom fun, friends or benefits, and then you'll waste your time. Okay, uh, here's an article by Rolo Tomasi. It's called Two Camps. I thought this was an interesting take from Striver in this week's comments. I think this part has some merit. Once gut-level violence is tempered, men want to be the hero, the doer, who is rewarded for his deeds by a woman or women. Game is inherently feminine, an admission that women have won. Game involving talking and communication. Does that sound masculine? However, I disagree with him here. As far as whether game is necessary, any gender that doesn't produce surviving offspring is just recreation. If your end count is 100, and no babies are produced, or all potential babies are, well, you know, then it's the same as an end count of zero, except for how it makes you feel. If women choose to sleep with the alpha players, then have babies with the beta schlubs, that's the complete game. And this fundamentally ignores the root, the biological root of women's hypergamy. The ideal evolutionary outcome is for a woman to optimize alpha seed and beta need. Ideally, a woman who breeds and consolidates on, mon- on monogamy with a man best exempl- who best exemplifies those aspects is the evolutionary winner. If that's not possible or not optimal, the ideal evolutionary winner is the woman who breeds with an alpha man and consolidates provisioning with a beta man. A lot of BP men feel a sense of vindication for the epiphany phase success they finally get with women once their long-term usefulness finally outweighs women's ability to, to, to attract more alpha seed, ideal men. It's a validation of their self-styled perseverance and some qualifier of what they convince themselves is the real attractiveness women have that self-righteous uh, beta provisioning. The fact is that this is an old-order, old SMP misbelief In all of the eras preceding the advent of unilaterally feminine-controlled birth control, both genders shared in the social responsibility of controlling women's innate hypergamy, which is AFBB, or alpha seed beta need. However, left to her own unconditioned expectation to responsibly assume control of her hypergamy, women default to separate ideals for alpha and beta. In other words, women prefer a breeding model that separates men to two different varieties, the kinds of men women want to sleep with and the kind they want to marry, or the kind your mother wants you to marry and the kind of guy you leave him uh, to, to be with. So insaturated into our social fabric is this understanding that even men will reinforce the archetype. I have a 16-year-old daughter and even Rolo Tomasi would want his girl to be with truck guy instead of girly car guy. Across all generations, it just makes better sense, right? I've mentioned this before in the myth of the good guy. It's amazing to me that men still seem to think they can embody the nobler aspects of both the alpha jerk and the comforting beta to become a mythical good guy that one will naturally recognize, appreciate, and prefer in comparison to the jerkish alpha or the simpish beta. The cell is one of combining the best of both archetypes and thereby satisfying women's need for an optimized hypergamy. The mistake in this, of course, is presuming women have the foresight to identify and appreciate the aspects that should satisfy an optimized state of hypergamy. What good guys don't consider is that women women simply don't have the depth of experience with men needed to recognize or appreciate the best of both types at various phases of their maturity. For instance, young women in their peak... 22 to 24, are simply not the demographic of women who complain of men's lack of maturity, their unwillingness to commit, or how they need to man up and accept some grown-up responsibilities. Peak SMV age women aren't concerned with long-term commitments or provisioning from nice, dependable guys. They're too preoccupied with enjoying the SMV peak with alpha lovers, and understand the offers of commitment from betas are cheap and plentiful. Yet even for an older, presumably wiser generation, the resourceful alpha has more bedroom fun appeal than the sensitive, attentive, comforting beta herb male. I'd rather cry over an asshole than date a guy who bores me. At least with a dick, there's a spark there. Even if it's just one you're trying to catch, at least with the asshole, you're wasting your time on someone entertaining. At least with the guy who'll bring you undeniable rage and pain, there's feeling. The problem with good guy ambitions of being the best of both is is that women are incapable of appreciating either of these aspects simultaneously. The predominant need women feel for beta comfort, dependability, and provisioning just prior to the war is unrelatable to a woman in her peak SMV years when a predominant focus is exciting alpha recklessness. I speculated in Myth of the Good Guy that in today's marketplace, women simply don't believe the average man is capable of being the best of both types. I still hold to that assertion. Only apex-alpha-celebrity men are in any way believable, but mostly due to women creating this optimized character for themselves. However, and probably more importantly, women aren't interested in alpha-excitement and beta-trustworthiness in the same place, in the same man, at the same time. This separation of alpha-exciting men from dependable beta men is a direct result of social empowerment women have been afforded and socially engineered by the imperative for the past five generations. This separate guise for separate purposes is the end game for socialized hypergamy. Left to the unilateral control of women, hypergamy doesn't recognize men who embody a long-term optimization of their strategy. Instead, hypergamy unfettered by social restraint prefers short-term mating with exciting but dangerous alpha genetic potential and an enforced long-term responsibility to the C-star C-k-ing of parentally invested, emotionally invested, dependable beta providers. The separate need for these archetypes does not occur at the same time in a woman's progression to maturity. In fact, the only area of overlap is exactly the pre wall ages of 29 to 31, the age range when the majority of women agree that they want to marry and settle down. From a strictly evolutionary perspective, Stryver's assertion that betas get the last laugh in the Genetic Olympics is correct. Nice guys may finish last, but no one says they didn't finish at all. But do they finish best? Unfortunately, on a subconscious level, women's bedroom fund strategy which then translates into social drug trend, develops contingencies for duping betas into provisioning for children not their own or are outsourced as parents once they've been removed from the family unit. Either that or they're relegated to progressively bedroom-fundless status of nominally male providership and parental investment. A beta fathering children is common, but there's more to raising a child than just the combining of alleles. Are cads outbanging dads? <clears throat> You'll notice that I titled this post, Are Cads Outbanging the Dads? That was deliberate, because there remain questions about whether cats are actually breeding more or less. Outbanging is different than outbreeding. A woman could casually ignore potential better dads throughout her teens and twenties, her prime years, for a sterile ride on the CC with alpha males, only to settle down later with a beta male and bear him 1.8 children. Cheap and easy contraceptives thwart the natural procreation advantage that alpha males would normally have over beta males in the state of nature, so it's very possible that alpha males could be winning the bagging sweepstakes while losing the breeding sweepstakes. Evidence that cad-out and supercharged female hypergamy is occurring resides in the later age of first marriage rates and the lower overall marriage rate as well as the higher STD rates among women. And there is evidence for cad-out breeding as well. Serial monogamy, which is a form of soft polygyny, is on the rise. And men who have had more than one partner have more children than men married to one woman. On the other side of the debate are the GSS gurus who marshal self-reported evidence that dads are winning the breeding wars over cads. I remain skeptical of the GSS data, but give it its due. My contention has never been that cads are having more children, but rather that cads are having more premarital bedroom fun than dads with higher quality. Read Better Looking Women. Uh, when those women are in their bedroom fund prime. This, not the discrepancy in fertility rates between alpha and beta, is the contraceptively aided shockwave that's roiling the bedroom fund market and upending organic rules thousands, perhaps millions of years old. A society of both CAD ascendants and civilization is unsustainable and incompatible. One or the other will go, and the pendulum will either swing back to dads, or civilization will regress to accommodate the rise of women choosing CADs. All social and economic indicators, particularly the debt overhang, and my personal experience in the bowels of the dating market, lead me to a pessimistic about a happy resolution to this building tension. Hopefully I'm wrong, but in the meantime, I'll do what's necessary to secure my pleasure. Okay. Yeah, let's uh, go back to the video here.
0: Is it I keep entertaining this kind of person. The thing I like saying to people-
1: Oh, look, it relates directly. The girls are literally only entertaining this kind of person. Keep that in mind.
0: ...is I don't want you to become a serious person all of the time, who is constantly trying to scope out who's looking for something serious, and you're grilling people with your questions to get to the bottom <coughs> of it, and there's no playfulness or sense of humor or romance in the process. I don't want you to become a serious person. I think the lighter, more playful parts of ourselves are some of the most attractive. But I do believe that we need to get serious about what it is we're actually looking for. And if we know that what's important to us right now is to find a meaningful, committed relationship, then I need to have a really strong internal compass. That I. So
1: here's the thing that Matthew doesn't realize, but it's from Rolo's article, right? So, or maybe he does realize this. The idea is this. Women at 26 have a different strategy than women at 29, right? So they say, I keep choosing cards, right? But then at 29, they want a dad, you see? But they have no strategy for how to get a dad because all they've ever done is bang cards, right? And so uh, it leads to a disaster where they're not able to get married. What they should have done is gotten married when they were younger, when they were more attractive, when they were able to actually find that guy, right? But they waste that time.
0: Either says, yes, this person is a green light because I can see that they're showing signs they're in the same place as me, or this is the wrong way. So why is it we keep saying yes to avoidance? Firstly, I want us to exercise a little self-compassion if you identify with this. The woman that I was working with in reality, had had four or five relationships with avoidance. If you actually look at it over the context of a lifetime and all of the growth work she had done, which she had done a lot, she had come a long way. She was self-aware. She was introspective. She had clearly done a lot to build her confidence. There was an enormous amount for her. To-
1: okay. So what Matthew is describing is an older woman with money uh, in therapy with him, because of course you need a bunch of money to, to be one-on-one coached by Matthew. Um, you know, a strong independent woman and wondering why she she can't find a man. Uh, the reason is because you keep choosing avoidance. It's because men are actively avoiding you because you're too old. You should have gotten married at 25 or whatever. Gotten into a serious, committed, long-term relationship with a guy at 25 and married him later right? That's what you should have done, instead of whatever it is that you're doing
0: here. To be proud of in her progress in life. But what she saw was, I'm 43, and ah, the relationships 43. I've had have all been relationships with avoidance who eventually left me or just moved on to somebody else. I am a failure.
1: And- yeah, because after the age of 31, none of these guys wanted to actually bury you because you can't have children anymore. I mean, you can, but like, past age of 37, your fertility declines sharply. Men don't really want to be in a relationship with a girl whose fertility is that low, because then our genes are forfeit. Okay, let's go on to the Reddit post. Uh, my girlfriend of 20, uh, uh, sorry, my uh, who's 25, of four years, and I, and the guy's 24, both tested positive for chlamydia, and I don't know how to handle the situation. Well, I mean, and by the way, the guy is younger than the girl. So, there you go. Well, I now know how I got it. I got a lot more comments than I expected on my previous post, most of them saying I should snap out of the delusion, but also some alternative suggestions of how it might have happened, people suggesting that she might have lied about me being a first. At first, I didn't think this could be it, as we're both very womanist and progressive journalists who didn't feel like something she'd lie about. We're not religious either, but who knows? We'd only known each other for about a year when we got together, and maybe she got freaked out. Some people also suggested she might not see oral as losing virginity, but we both do. The other possibility that seemed likely was that she'd been bedroom-fine assaulted, but she didn't tell me. Anyway, after work, I stopped by a youth clinic and did a new test just to make sure, as someone suggested. When I got home, I spent the evening trying to figure out how to best ask about these possibilities. I'm either suggesting she might have lied to me or possibly bringing up trauma, so I wanted to make sure I did it in the best way possible, but I won't have to worry about it anymore. Reveal here! Luckily, she hasn't been bedroom fun assaulted. And unfortunately, she didn't lie to me about being, um, you know, not with other guys. The morning, my last post, I was eating breakfast and watching YouTube on our shared iPad, like I usually do. I remember that the iPad is logged into a Snap account, just to make sure. I checked. If she's cheating, surely Snap would be where she's talking to this guy, right? Didn't see any unfamiliar names. I did, however, see that she had an unread message from my best friend, um, who's a girl, t- uh, 23, who covered for her, of course. Uh, I didn't know why, but I checked it. Gonna get tested today. At first, I thought they just discussed it. They are friends after all, and she decided to get tested as well. But I scrolled up and saw the conversation they had yesterday, and well, I got cheated on. My GF woke up five minutes later and immediately asked me what was wrong. She said I looked pale. I sincerely apologized. Going through her private messages was not okay, and told her that that's what I'd seen. She came clean immediately. My best friend's girlfriend had only ever been with men, and my girlfriend had only ever been with me. Apparently they were both questioning if they were bi. So while my best friend and I were at the gym, they were hanging out at my best friend's place. The day the curiosity got the best of them, and they had bedroom fun. This was the last year and it shows me. It hasn't happened since then. I'm not really sure how to feel right now. I always imagined that if I got cheated on, I'd feel crushed, but I'm surprisingly neutral. <laughs> my biggest worry is how I'm gonna tell my best friend. They've been together for almost two years, and this is uh, his New Year's resolution this year was to propose to her. He's gonna be crushed, and I hate to think about it. One question I get a lot and I want to answer is why I got tested in the first place if I was asymptomatic. The reason is I was doing a checkup. Okay. Okay. Uh five point four K upvotes. As a girl who is into other girls, cheating is cheating. Uh yeah. Cheating is cheating. As a straight male, if my wife who's told me she's bi-curious and doesn't stuff with a girl when they were teenagers cheated on me with a woman, I think I could forgive her in my mind, but never forgive her if it was a man. That's just how I think I would react. Um, I wouldn't be okay with cheating of any kind, but cheating when there's no possibility of her getting pregnant is um, not really as bad in my opinion, but still cheating is bad. So anyway. Okay. Alright, we're going to end the video there. Again, if you're new to the channel, like in the content, hit that sub, hit all for notifications if you'd like to support me. I have a Patreon exclusive content, patreon.com slash the blog. Just go there and subscribe. Uh, again, uh, you can also drop me a donation like Tom M here. Shout out to him. Uh, okay, we're going to end the video. Uh, if you took the time to listen to the end, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much and I will see you next time.